Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, with me, Mr. Lady Ada, kicking off this 2022 with another hour of all the latest news and making, hacking, electronics, soldering, coding, and floppy disk drives. We got an exciting jam-packed show for tonight with lots of products videos and more, lots of tutorials too. What's on tonight's show? On tonight's show, the code is Nuggets. 10% mm. off the native store all the way up to 11.59 p.m. tonight. Anything in stock, you get it. Nuggets, Nuggets. is the code. Talk about our Adafruit live series shows, including show and tell. It was awesome and amazing. Thank you everyone for coming by tonight. It was a great way to kick off the new year, now that we're back doing shows every single week. Time travel, look around in the world of makers, hackers, artists, and engineers, and more. We got some retro cool stuff. Help Wanted, we got jobs that cool companies are looking for great talent. And then we got people who are posting up for skills looking for cool companies to join as well. Some main New York City factory footage, some 3D printing, INMPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. We got some new products, a bunch of top secret. We're gonna answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Join all 32,000 of us over there. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. All right, so let's, uh, let's do this. Uh, first up, gotta do a little bit of an update. So um, we are in the middle of the wave in New York City. So yeah. uh, I'll just give you an idea of what's going on here. Nobody's here right now at Adafruit, so we've take off our masks. Um, everyone at Adafruit wears uh, N95, CAN95 masks. We've been doing that for a while. Um, everyone has paid time off for testing. There's a lot of testing going on. Back in October, uh, we bought a whole bunch of uh, at-home rapid tests back when people were like, it's over. Why would you and, need these? And so we were able to get a bunch of them, so we've been giving those out to our teams, and we've just been doing around-the-clock coordination. Um, it's been uh, really challenging. Everyone is fatigued with making decisions. Um, it is just uh, tough, but we're uh, almost through this, everyone, and it looks like this might be it. I'll tell you, just as someone who helps manage over 130 plus people, if you've been vaccinated and boosted and you get this, nothing is happening. Our team is telling me I'm bored. I don't even want to stay home. Can I just come in? Uh, the answer is no, uh, not until you know, a certain period of time. But it looks like that's the way through. Um, that it's the the thing that's common across all this. So um, mild to no symptoms has been it. Uh, so that's a data point. Um, maybe we're a little different. Uh, we didn't have to do a mandate. Our entire team got vaccinated all the way back last year, and then um, anyone who uh, wanted to get a booster did. I think most folks did, and that seems to be what's going on. So we'll continue to put updates. Uh, on our website and more um, as we get more information, but that's what it looks like right now. Okay, um, Lady Ada, when people shop, they can use that code Nuggets. Nuggets. And then they also get free stuff. They do get free stuff. I know we've changed our freebies up a little bit yeah. and we're gonna change them up a little bit more. Um, first up, if you enjoyed the pink RP2040 Feather freebie, good for you because uh, we ran out. So we're back to uh, the Promo Proto for $99 or more. Um, we have uh, the half size print proto that we'll give you. Maybe we'll change that out later uh, this year for something else. One for nine or more, you get a free STEM QT board. You have a different range of options. Uh, you'll get a different one each time. And if you make an account, we'll make sure that it's really different each time, not just random. 
for UPS shipping, $199 or more, and then $299 or more. We're still giving away a Circuit Playground Bluefruit, but that's going to change soon yeah. uh, because we just got Circuit Playground Expresses back in stock, and so we're going to swap it out because the Express has much more support across platforms. Um, so hopefully you enjoyed that. If you want to get one of those free, order $300 or more real soon now before we change it out. Okay, and this is a combo deal, so you can use the code NUGGETS in the store. Please do that. It'll support us. Hey, woman-owned open source hardware company in New York City. I think we're the only one. That's and it. we're still standing. Adafruit has a bunch of live shows. We just did one, show and tell. Special thanks to Pedro and JP for That's hosting that. some of the weeks that we needed it. We had to take care of a bunch of Adafruit business. And then today, it was super busy, but um, you know the show and tell is really special. We've been doing it for, I don't know, like 10 years or so. And um, it's one of the things that just brings folks together, and I think we all need that. So this was... Uh, you know, every single one is my favorite, but this one was a great way for us to kick off the, the new year. We had Jay, um, who is showing this wearable computer, and uh, Jay now is doing stuff with DigiKey. Uh, really amazing maker, really good to see Jay. And then uh, make sure you watch this on whatever video publishing platform you like. YouTube is usually one of them. And then uh, we ended it with uh, the Zen flute. Absolutely amazing. It's so Zen. And um, it was just really neat to see such a... A uh, cool group of people that obviously were not together in the same room, but it, it sure felt like it. So uh, thanks for coming by, everyone. That was really delightful. And then uh, for the folks who were asking us, oh, are you can have the five and a quarter support with uh, Circuit Python and these floppy disks. Yes. Uh, what about? Uh, I want to do this music synth thing. Yes. Uh, what about? Uh, I got this other thing. Yes. So the show and tell is also kind of a preview of the future. It's a lot of stuff that we're working on with our team as well. And also JP showed a preview of some of the things he's working on as well. That was really cool. And then um, Joey came by. And if you haven't already, go check out Crowd Supply. Uh, we're a backer of Joey's watch. Really cool uh, uh, Casio. Uh, I guess you'd say it's like an after mod. I don't know. What, what, what would be the? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a sensor watch. It's like a circuit swap. Yeah, it's cool. So anyways, yeah. uh, check that out and congratulations on your successful crowd supply, Joey. On Sundays, we do Desk of Lady Ada. And, uh, you know, great timing. Us, we started to, uh, for 20, towards the end of 2021, we uh, changed the graphics up to make it retro because we we're doing lots of retro projects. And now a lot of the projects we're showing are. So the first part, you showed off some stuff. What was it? Okay, it looks like I, I was like, what did I show off? Been a long week. Um, so I designed a bunch of cutie pies. So I showed them off. I'll show them the, we'll show those at the end of this video as well in more detail. Um, I also got my um, floppy disk interface PCBs that are supposed to make it a little easier for me to do my floppy disk interfacing without bunches of wires everywhere. Um, and those came in as well. So that's super cool. Um, and uh, I made a bunch of pretty pins, and uh, I designed some BFFs, some boards that plug into the back of cutie pies. Okay. And then we do a segment called The Great Search, and that's where Lady Ada uses her powers of good to help you find things on digikey.com. Mm. And uh, boy, it's hard to find parts now, so it's a good segment. Yes. This week, um, so I designed a cutie pie ESP32 Pico, so it's a little, it's like the smallest possible ESP32. Uh, so adorable. And ESP32s have this kind of funky reset circuit that uses two NPN transistors connected like side by side uh, to the USB serial converter RTS and DTR pins. Um, and I want to have that on this board. I want to have the auto reset circuitry. So I have to find like the smallest dual NPN 
uh, transistor set. And so I just showed how to use DigiKey to do that. And I found some that are in stock and I ordered them and I'm gonna put them together when my PCBs arrive. Okay, and then we do Desk of Lady every Sunday around like hacker clock, which is sometimes it's around seven, sometimes it's around 10 o'clock at night. Um, so hacker just, time. Yeah, it's hacker time. All right, and then every Tuesday we do JP's product pick. It's uh, a live show that we broadcast live inside the product page, so you don't have to remember any discount codes or anything. It's a discount automatically there, and JP shows off a cool Adafruit product, and uh, the discount's automatically applied. We got that idea from a lot of the international stores uh, like Alibaba and AliExpress and Taobao. They, they were broadcasting live inside their pages, um, and we thought, hey, that's a good idea. So we started doing that a while ago, and it's, uh, it's a fun show. So here's the latest from JP from this week. It is the Stemma Mini Relay Breakout Board. So I have a Cutie Pie here, so I can plug in my power ground and signal. And then I've got a standard sort of 110 light socket here. For my connection over to the Stemma QT relay board, I have a lamp plug that's plugged in to my AC power. And then I'm using one of these nice Wago connector nuts to connect one line. And the other is going into common. And then my lamp wire is going into the side of this. And I'm initially setting it to false, which means it's not going to trip the relay. If I just simply change this to true and hit save, bam, we have our, our light bulb going off. So you can see I'm, I'm sort of terrifyingly underlit now. It is the Stemma non-latching mini relay breakout board. Okay, and tomorrow's JP's workshop where you're gonna be able to see uh, the continuation of the project he showed on the show and tell. And then we also have a segment called CircuitPython Parsec. And this is the latest one. So if you want to catch up on it, watch this one. If you've already seen it, no problem. New one coming tomorrow. But here's the latest one from JP. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, I want to talk about doing linear interpolation between two values. So this is useful. I'll show an example in a moment of doing some color mixing between two color values. Uh, but in its purest form, what you can see here in my little serial output here inside of Atom is I'm running this code on a little cutie pie here, RP2040 cutie pie. And if you look at that output, what's happening is I'm essentially moving a slider between two values in a linear fashion. So you can see I have the starting number, it says reset and then 123. And then I'm sliding along in these little 0.05 increments up to an end value of 456. So these could be any values that you are sliding between. And the way this works is you can see the most important part here is this little function called LERP, which stands for linear interpolation and takes an argument of a beginning value, an end value, and then t is essentially the slider of where are we along this interpolation between the values. Then in uh, the function when it gets called, uh, in this case it's being called with start, uh, begin at 123, end at 456, and the t initially is at zero, and then that'll increment up. What it returns is that beginning value plus where that slider is times the end value minus the beginning value. So it's a really succinct little function. But what that gives us here is it's printing out, in this case, the uh, slider moving between those. So if I look at a practical example of this, I'm gonna unplug that. And 
this is that little uh, slider code that I have with the interpolation between, in this case, three colors, but it's using that linear interpolation to go from one color to the next in R, G, and B, so it's having multiples of those happen at the same time. And so that is how you can do some very simple linear interpolation inside of CircuitPython, and that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Okay, and Friday's at 2 p.m. Deep dive with Scott. So check that out. You can probably watch the progress on a bunch of the internals of CircuitPython or uh, sometimes some of the special projects that we're doing. Yes, uh, Scott has been doing a lot with Raspberry Pi, like low level, and he's still working on that. But transitioning to hacking on ESP32 S3, which is the next expressive Wi-Fi chip, which we'll also talk about later on the yeah. show. All right, time travel time. Let's talk about the future. Yeah? Yeah, so coming up very soon, we will be shipping Adabox Edition. And we moved to Edition because with part shortages and just all sorts of stuff from, um, you name it, uh, I don't even want to see the, what the bingo card has in store. So we just gotta, um, I got to notice that Xilinx has now still a two-year lead on some mm -hmm. FPGAs. Two more years. Not like if you order now, you're not going to get it till 2024. I don't even know if we're going to be alive then. No, we will be, but are these getting we're be mutated? Are these getting shipped from like another planet? I, I don't know. Okay. I mean, like it's insane. <laughs> you know, one solution for all this would be a uh, worldwide stasis, a stasis program where we all go in the stasis. Oh, stasis, and then when and we then come we back, the ships are ready. Like, hey, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we'll be shipping winter edition probably uh, in February, February March, March ish. Yeah. So we have a few slots open. I think we have 10 out of thousands. Yeah. So go to adabox.com. And we're not making more slots. We can't, and we won't, because we want to make sure we can deliver all of these. Uh, we'll have whatever we, whatever, if you have a slot, you are going to get an adabox, and the adaboxes tend to be something that people really want and something that we might have later, but it, you'll definitely get it. So uh, adabox.com. Uh, next up, I've been posting some photos on my personal Twitter account, and um, I asked Bunny if this was okay, and I said, hey, Bunny, guess what I found? A photo of us at Adafruit Apartment from 12 years ago. So this is when we got our first pick and place. Uh, we got this one because it could fit through the door. It was in our kitchen, and this was when Adafruit was like just a couple of people, and Bunny came by, and we were so happy they came by, and Lamore was reading the book for this thing to start to get it working. And uh, I put up a camera there, and I said, hey, say cheese. And I also said, you two are the best people I know. And uh, I got them both to grin, and then I took that photo. That's sweet. Yeah. Other things, um, we have a bunch of retro um, photo shoots that we did. Some of them we're doing right now. Some of them we did last year right before uh, the pandemic started. So I'm just getting around to publishing them now. And so this uh, is- The pandemic started two years ago, Phil. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's March uh, 668th, 2020. Um, so this is uh, the Logitech Cyberman, and That's this cool. was uh, great to play Doom with. This was uh, a Google device they announced at a Google I.O. Uh, event and then quickly killed it off. <laughs> it's called like the Google Nexus Q, and it's this round speaker and It looks thing. cool as hell. Yeah. It's very nexty. And this is a promotional item that went along with the JVC video sphere. So it's a round clock that went with the round TV. We also posted up some beautiful clear photos of the Radio Shack Trimline phone. And uh, I'll be posting up the Bell South version of it. The PCB works amazing, but you can see 
Uh, this is when uh, Radio Shack. This is one of the coolest fans. Yeah, and uh, this all works. Someone said, uh, oh, wow, like, how old are these photos? It's like, no, this one we just took last week. Um, but this is part of my collection of retro stuff that I've had for years and years and years. And then we also had a Princess phone. Uh, it's also, it looks like, I, I, for, the, for you youngins, this is a game controller for your Xbox. Don't worry about it. Um, next up, Help Wanted. Let's go over the jobs. Um, oh, you know, I'll answer just a, a quick question. Um, how much was the uh, the Luna pick in place when we got it? The Luna, I think, yeah. was um, twenty thousand yeah. dollars. I want to say like twenty five thousand dollars altogether with all the the feeders. Yeah. And we paid for it in cash and everything. We didn't do any loans or credit cards yeah. or anything. And we had we, to make sure it could fit in an apartment. Yeah, the thing about it, it wasn't, I mean, now you can get simple pick and places. I mean, there's actually quite a good pick and place. I mean, the software was like, it was a thing, um, but it did work. And I could put together um, basic breakouts. You know, the first like thousand PIDs from Adafruit was, were manufacturable. Um, and yeah, it ran on 110 power, like 120 volt. And that was the really big deal because there's you can get a cheap pick and place, but it won't fit in your apartment. It won't run on 110 volts. And this at the time was one of the only ones. Now you can get like Neodens for like $8,000, $6,000. Um, but this was, you know, it's a real pick and place. It advanced feeders. It had a bottom camera. Um, it wasn't super fast, but uh, it, was, it was quite good. It could do QFPs, QFNs, um, stuff like that. So it definitely kick-started Adafruit. Got, got quite far with it, yeah. actually. And uh, after we were finished with it, we donated it to a hackerspace, and they still use it. So anyways, um, this is kind of job-related a little bit. That's why I thought it was okay to put this question in. But we are going to get to the questions at the end. Don't worry. Um, so right now, to kick off the new year, there's three jobs. Uh, education engineer at Hack Club. That's full-time in Vermont. There's a lead firmware engineer for Goliath. That's remote. And a code-needed please for <laughs> Ruby <laughs> Creek Mushrooms in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, a lot of the times... That Companies are looking for people. They use Adafruit stuff, and they want someone who knows uh, our hardware. And they appreciate that we do all this open source software, but they want to find a developer to help out. Um, and they also know we're an education company, so that's why Hack Club um, has their job there. So check it out, jobs.adafruit.com. Um, Lady and I approve each one of them, so there's nothing weird or sketchy and scammy. And um, you know, we have a pretty good record of uh, playing matchmaker with uh, cool companies and cool makers. It's time for Python on Hardware News. Okay, so uh, as always, please go to Adafruit Daily, check out the newsletter. There's a lot going on. Um, I so this was one of my favorite projects of the week. This is you wear this to the club and just says goth. I just like that light blue look. That yeah. is like it's very Tron cyber. It's it, like it. It's yeah. like wire. And then um, I saw uh, our friend. Eva from the EFF, she's like, I'm going to make one that's going to say armed, and it starts beeping. Um, <laughs> Counting down. Yeah. So anyways, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the newsletter. But this week, I wanted to make sure we focus on a couple of things. Um, actually, one more thing. I thought that this was a really neat project, and I thought the Hackaday folks came up with a great title. Macro Popsicle melts in your desk, not in your mouth. And this is a little circuit Python two-key um, keyboard. Oh, it's like a 2% so, milk, but it's frozen. It's so cute. Um, 
so there's a lot going on. And I'll say this, like the amount of stuff that we're seeing that people are doing with CircuitPython right now, it's getting really hard to keep up with. Anne's doing an amazing job on the newsletter, so sign up. But we do have to talk about 2022 and what we want to see yeah. in CircuitPython. So um, I thought I'd start this week. So this is what I would like in CircuitPython 2022. Okay. I would like to be able to plug in an HDMI cable into a CircuitPython board, and that'll be the output from the board, and then plug it into kind of like what I'm doing now. Like right now there's a camera plugged in. We have an overhead over here. What I would like to be able to do is switch over to that video feed and have it do all sorts of video effects. And by video effects, I mean like neat patterns and be able to do like video mixing with it. Um, maybe I would pump the audio through it and maybe there would be a line going across the screen and when the audio would be picked up from the video board, it would start to make, you know, like a little thing, like a visualizer. Yeah. But I want it to, to, to be live in real time and I want to be able to overlay that on things like this. So I'm currently buying a few of these like video synths and there's software ones that are hard to use and expensive and you need like a M1 Pro processor. And then there's some that are like, they're kind of okay, they're kits and they're DIY ones. Um, some of them use a Raspberry Pi, some of them do some other things. But I really want one that's CircuitPython based. So CircuitPython with HDMI out support with scriptable things that you can do. Almost like, um, you know, like processing, you can kind of do some neat stuff with graphics. Something like you turn a knob and it makes the display go weird and then you would overlay that onto OBS or something like that just to do like live art stuff. I thought that would be kind of neat, like a video toy. So that's my CircuitPython that's 2022. So 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So that's 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 my request. Okay. Um, the other thing that um, we wanted to talk about this week, because this is a special edition of the uh, Python on hardware, is we got a lot of floppy stuff going on. So uh, we're going to do two for two here. One is the work that we got done on Friday, and then this is like hot off the press. Jepler got Circuit Python working with five and a quarter floppy disks. So I'm going to play those back to back, and that'll be our. Python on hardware news for the week. If you like retro hardware, if you like uh, being able to uh, archive stuff and upload it online so people can share computer science history, um, you're going to like all this stuff. Take it away, present and future and past us. Carlita, what is this? This is a Feather M4, and it's on a tripler board with a floppy Featherwing connected to this floppy drive, it's got a diskette that I've got some files in it. And um, this feather is actually running CircuitPython. It's a build that Jepler just gave me because he just implemented Adafruit floppy, which is hardware native support for reading MFM floppies. So let's uh, rerun the code. And it'll actually list all the files. And I put some old frac text files and I have a little bit of a ASCII code here that will let me page through uh, the text file. So it's reading the fat, it's reading the files. I can read my old text files if I like on a diskette. Um, and this is coming soon to CircuitPython. So we have native floppy disk file system support. Nice work. Thanks, Jeffler. Hi, Jeff here with a very stylish vintage Microsoft MS-DOS 5 upgrade floppy and a program in CircuitPython that likes to pretend it is a vintage operating system. So let's see what we can do with the version of CircuitPython I've been cooking up. We can list a directory, and I suppose we should probably read the instructions. 
anyway, that's about it. Can't wait to see how you'll use CircuitPython uh, to work on any archival floppies that you might have that are still of interest. Thanks, and have a good one. And that's Python on Hardware news this week. And again, don't forget, you can get this delivered in your mailbox. There's Blinka, the friendly snake. That'll deliver it for you. And you do that at adafruitdaily.com where we do not spam, we do not trick you. It has nothing to do with your store account. We did that on purpose. All right, Data, we're an open source hardware company. I don't know if you know. And we have 2,608 guides. A lot of guides. There's a lot. And uh, we're at the point where when we do this segment, I have to expand the screen so you can see all the guides. Yes. Well, we have some guides that are updates too, and so because you know we want to when we make when we add new pages to guides, they get yeah. bumped up to the top. So, for the um, Adafruit Feather RP2040, um, Arduino support is pretty stable for the RP2040. So we started documenting for the RP2040 how to install the Phil Howard core and some like tips and tricks with it. Um, so if you have one of our RP2040 boards, uh, please do check out the guides. We're we'll adding. Um, we're adding to those guides, the Arduino pages to help you get set up and blink LEDs and use NeoPixels and all that good stuff. Known Pedro made this Cutie Pie Step Fit case. We have a video to show it'll work with any Cutie Pie board or um, Seed Shao board, which is the same size. Um, the Adafruit IO Whippersnapper has added more boards. Um, and so Brett has documented, I think the Arduino Wi-Fi 1010 and the Nano Connect um, two Wi-Fi boards from Arduino have added support, uh, and we show you how to do that. Um, also, the Halloween M4 guide, I don't remember what we did, but we updated. I think we added um, a lot going on. A, like a factory test firmware page to it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't remember. There's a lot of guides. But you know what? It's, it's worth pointing out that... Um, we do maintain. We do maintain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do. And when you put feedback in the guides, we read it. And um, one of the things that's kind of a bummer, sometimes you buy something, and then you go and you look at like the documentation, and it was like from five years ago, and you're like, oh no. And so um, you can always look at the date and when we created it, and you can look at all the updates. Yeah. And we've been doing a lot of updates. And we do try to keep things up to date. I mean, I, I know work. we worked on the Raspberry Pi eyeballs yeah. this week, Phil B, and others. Yeah. All right, next up. Okay, next up. Uh, we published a guide for the ESP32-S2 TFT Feather. Um, I think uh, Jepler updated the camera images for Python. I do not remember what updated, but I think Jepler probably added some documentation. Um, Eva wrote a guide on using the KB2040 with an off-the-shelf macro pad. So this is a Navi 10 macro pad. It's like a nice like 10 character kind of like mini macro pad navigation pad. Um, and she's updated, um, it's designed originally for the ProMicro, but it showed how to use it with CircuitPython and you can easily change key maps. Tim C um, ported this you know, web page that we found that would like make all the fake um, sounds like from Slack, like the tick, tick, tick sounds and like the ding-dongs from your, you know, trillions and your um, messengers and your zooms and all that. Um, and he made it into a little pie portal that when you click it, it'll, it'll make those sounds. And so if you want people to think you're busy um, or if you just like uh, to generate anxiety within yourself for some reason, um, you can make this project uh, come to life on your desk. All right, next up. Uh, Dan Hubbard added a page with a cooperative multitasking in CircuitPython with the async IO page showing how to use buttons to control NeoPixels, and so you can have NeoPixel animations and buttons that control direction and speed, and how to do that like 
using async IO, um, having cooperative multitasking. So a really good example of you have buttons and something that is happening that you want to react to the buttons um, that is going in a loop, um, you, how to use async IO to yield out um, and, and async wait. Um, and then during that async wait time, you can read button presses. Uh, so it's a more elegant way of doing um, asynchronous control. Scott wrote up uh, using CircuitPython on bare metal Raspberry Pi. So you're running CircuitPython directly on the Broadcom chip. Works with the Raspberry Pi W, 2W, sorry, the Raspberry Pi 2 and 2W and the original on the W, I think, and the Raspberry Pi 4 and the Raspberry Pi 400. Basically anything that exposes the native USB uh, through the USB port, which is only the most recent, um, or the Pi Zero um, boards. Liz Clark did a sweet, no code, just soldering, um, passive mixer with four analog stereo pots. And then Tim C wrote another quick uh, MagTag project where every day it'll fetch the latest status for the James Webb telescope and tell you what is up with it. It only changes about daily. So when you wake up in the morning and making your tea and like making you know your oatmeal, you can see how this telescope's yeah. doing. Apparently, um, because this is how it works now, um, everything has a podcast. And there was a podcast, there's multiple podcasts about this, uh, you know, now space-born telescope. And they were saying, boy, it'd be great to have like a little like desk toy, desk thing that just said what's going on today with it as a little single serving device. And then someone said, oh, but you know what, I would, uh, it should be like Wi-Fi, maybe, oh, I heard about e-ink, so here you go. Yeah, it just coincidentally, we, we planned this a week ago, but, um, we should tell them about this project. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's do some factory footage. Okay. And uh, here's the Disney headquarters across the street from Adafruit. It's, uh, it's just getting bigger. If you wonder what happens when you subscribe to Disney Plus, where the money goes. Uh, Every $7 it, buys it, it, one beam. <laughs> it gets turned into steel. <laughs> Ooh. 
All right, it's 3D printing time. We're gonna do a twofer. Um, the first one is the whippersnapper video and the second one is a speed up. Take it away, Noam Pedro. Hey, what's up folks? In this video, we're taking a look at whippersnapper with the new Adafruit Cutie Pie. Whippersnapper now has support for Adafruit's newest Wi-Fi board, making it one of the easiest ways to do IoT projects. The Adafruit Cutie Pie now comes in a new flavor featuring the ESP32-S2. It can also run both Arduino and CircuitPython. Here's how to set up the CutiePie ESP32-S2 with Whippersnapper in Adafruit I.O. Go to the Quick Start Guide and scroll down to the installation page. In the Download section, click on the Download button to launch the release page on GitHub. Scroll down and look for the UF2 file for the CutiePie ESP32-S2. Double press the Reset button to get the board into bootloader mode. The NeoPixel will turn green when it's ready. Then just drag and drop the UF2 file onto the USB drive to automatically flash the firmware. Using your favorite text editor, you'll want to edit the secrets JSON file with your Adafruit I.O. and Wi-Fi credentials. Then hit the reset button once again to get the board connected to your Wi-Fi router. In Whippersnapper, the device is automatically detected and you'll have the option to rename the device. You can easily connect this temperature and humidity sensor using Stemma QT. In Whippersnapper, click New Component and select the AHT20 sensor. Then, select how often you want to send and receive data. And that's it! You can see the raw values in the device page and start logging data in a dashboard. We think it's the quickest and easiest way to get your IoT projects up and running. We designed and 3D printed a SnapFit case to house the CutiePie and a Stemma QT breakout board. The bottom cover has a built-in holder for the CutiePie that can be secured without any screws. Just insert the board at an angle and slightly bend to snap fit the PCB into the corners. It's easy to plug in a Stemma QT cable on the back of the CutiePie and connect the sensor without having to solder. You can use M25 hardware to secure the Stemma QT board to the case. The top cover has several vents that can be used as mounting holes so you can secure the board in different orientations. The bottom cover features similar slots so you can mount it to either the top or bottom. There's also mounting tabs on the case so you can use them to attach it to another surface. Just snap fit the case over the cover with the opening lined up with the USB-C port. It's really modular so you can easily customize it to fit your project. Thanks so much for watching and don't forget to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit. Okay, and a little bit of a reminder of the code nuggets. Uh, in the very beginning of the show, uh, the code is off. I turned it back on. Just make sure you put the plural form of nugget. Nuggets. Nuggets. So, nuggets, plural, because you can't have just one. All right, let's do uh, NMPI. Okay. NMPI. This week, a return favorite, Molex, Lady Ada, what is the 
I on NPI this week brought to you by DigiKey. Okay, this week we're featuring Molex again, known for uh, great cables, great connectors. Um, and they have put together a first robotic competition cable kit specifically for people doing first robotics. But hey, secret between you, me, and the rest of the internet, this is actually a pretty good deal on a whole bunch of cables uh, that can be used for any kind of robotics or mechatronics or sensor or sensing or interfacing projects. It doesn't have to, you know, you can buy it even if you're not in first, but if you are in first, I think it's going to be very handy. Um, so I thought this was a, a nice partnership uh, and a good way for Molex to um, help out kids doing first robotics. Okay. So uh, this is the SL Modular Connectors and Cables Kit. Um, it's a box that is full of like like 20 different cables um, that are the kind of common SL modular, easy plug, 2.54 millimeter pitch, 0.1 inch pitch connectors. Um, there's, I'll show the, the cable kit, but there's sockets and plugs. Um, and what I thought was nice about this was uh, Molex um, also sponsors a bunch of first robotics teams and they have resources um, available. So uh, check it out. Um, they sponsor like seven teams and they have documentation on how to use these cables and connectors. And, um, uh, you know, for the robots that I've built and worked on, and I, I, didn't, I didn't work on first robotics. I'm a little too old for that. But um, at school, we did have a, like a mini robotics club. And one thing I learned really quickly is that you can have the best code and the most like machined hardware and the strongest motors. But if you have like one misconnected cable, um, your entire robot doesn't work. And uh, the vibration and motion and twisting of robotics is really tough on cables. And so you wanna have like really solid, well-connected sensors, motors, power supplies, batteries, et cetera, um, so that you don't end up in competition and then like everything breaks because something came loose. Um, so uh, they're using the SL modular kit, which I like, it has this little latching uh, connector option. Um, the current capability of the connector is three amps, which is great. The pitch is 0.1 inch, which is also really great. It's very easy to use. You can quickly prototype with headers and, and off-the-shelf cables and then you know, upgrade to these um, finished cables uh, with latches when you're done. Um, it's good for signal and some low power. And we do have a video on crimping. And so, you know, traditionally, if people were going to make custom cables, at least when I grew up, like, it was like, oh, well, you get a crimper and you get some wire and you make your own cables by, you just buy like a hundred connectors and you just sit down and you crimp them. Um, but the problem is, is that, um, you know, as I've gotten older, it's like, I want to crimp less because crimping is actually really, really hard. Um, you know, crimping with, um, Needle nose pliers is kind of the first thing people do, and it's like, you know, maybe one out of like five end up working really well. And then if you get like the proper hand crimp tool, um, that'll get you farther, but you're still gonna probably only have like two thirds of your crimps work out correctly. And like, if you don't get it right the first time, you can't like recrimp, you have to kind of start over. And sometimes you have to even uh, recut and restrip the wire. Recrimping. Nothing yeah, worse really than recrimping. So buying pre-crimped cables is the way to go. In fact, um, here at Adafruit, we have, you know, not for the SL Molex kits, but we have like some basic premium header kits where you get pre-crimped raw wires and you get housings that you plug the wires into. And that's what you've got in this Molex kit as well. Now, some cables that they pre-made, um, they have a bunch of different lengths. Each one's documented in the data sheet. Um, let's check it out. There's different lengths and they're all like wired with like these nice um, zip tie um, bindings. Uh, there's just a bunch of different... Uh, items. I mean, you can you can see here. There's like 20 different items in the kit. So they have like a little bit of everything. 
um, but altogether it's enough to get a small robot going. Like you might need two or three boxes for a larger robot, but for like a small Lego-ish, you know, desktop bot, you know, the size of like a small cat or something, um, which is an official robot size, uh, this kit will work great. And right. it's in stock at DigiKey. And uh, as it goes in the chat, crimping ain't easy. So do check do it do out it. in DigiKey. And we have a uh, little video we're going to show. We're going to video and they can also show, the video is, is quite long, so we're just going to show like a minute and a half and then I'll show what's in the box after. Let's jump in and get started talking about the FIRST Robotics programs, the products that we work with to try to help students. So here at Molex, we wanted to find a way that we could make it easier for teams to use our connectors and build their robots, not only prototype, but learn more about how to use our connector systems and do it efficiently and faster. And we started, so what we did was we talked to a lot of different teams out there and we said, what are the challenges that you run into when trying to build cable assemblies? And what we were told is, is most teams are trying to use a hand tool to cut raw wire, crimp and poke those cable assemblies into the, the housings and then it's still a connection system. And so we started talking to teams about what are the most common connectors they use. And one of them that they selected was the XL connector system. And that's the one that we decided to use for our kits that we offer. Alan, could you tell me a little bit about how, you know, why teams, why it's so popular for teams to use the SL connector system? So the SL connector system uses 2.54 millimeter uh, pitch, and that complies with the first robotics guidelines. Uh, in addition, one of the more common gauges for the um, wires is 22 gauge, and uh, it can go as small as 30 gauge. So this is one of those rare connector systems that has a very wide range of uh, gauges. Um, and when I say gauge, I'm talking about the uh, American wire gauge standard, um, AWG. Uh, we Okay, and you wanted to uh, show this off? Yes, please go to the overhead. Okay, so this is what you get, SL modular connector and cable kit, uh, First Robotics branded, um, and then you go to their website for more info. And I did open the bags, so like these all came in bags that I, yeah. I have opened, so they don't actually This is like loose. a cooking show. We did some preparation yeah. before the show. Um, so you've got some nice, uh, you know, three pin extender cables here. Um, you've got also, like I said, some raw cables. These have sockets and plugs and these are like really nice these are like really nice cramps like i can just kind of tell by feeling them like these are solid crimpy pieces and then these are the um sl modular uh, uh housings that you can plug the uh cables into they do give you some crimp um ends if you want it to go down that path which i don't recommend um a bunch of these extender cables so i think it's like you know once you've got your your cable going if you need to extend it a bunch um, extenders, another longer raw version, another raw version, so like two shorter ones and one longer one, a bunch of just like power cable, um, and then uh, some more housings, and then one like cut wire. So there's like, oh sorry, no, this is a very short extender cable. So um, a bunch of different options in here. Don't forget, you can cut and solder these wires. Like it's easier to cut um, and solder and then heat shrink cables than trying to recrimp wire. So that's what I recommend. But this is like a good little like sensor servo extender kit. Um, nice durable wires, nice uh, thick gauges. Um, and they all have um, this nice uh, um, zip tie uh, keeping the cables together. But you can always cut it if you want to like spread the, the wires out. All right. And that is this week's INMPI.
Okay, Lady Ada, before we go into new products, don't forget to cause nuggets. 10% off a native fruit store all the way up to 11.59 p.m. That's what we're doing. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. All right, we have a ginormous amount of pots. That's right. As you may know, pots are now legal in New York, and so we have so we are stocking them. So Adafruit is the pot dispensary. Yeah, it's like it's like those trucks that you see on Times Square. Um, so we basically are carrying like all the different um, styles of Alpha pots, and um, basically I had a bunch of like you know synth friends email me and say like, uh, you know, there's this company that used to sell all these Alpha pots, and they're you know they're they're closing, and it would be really cool if Adafruit you know stocked these. They're great for repair or if you're making synthesizers. And I was like, sure, why not? How many could there be? Okay, it turns out there's like 25. Um, so we've got like 1K, 5K, 2K, 20, 50, 100, okay, one mega ohm linear um, log um, audio taper, reverse log and audio taper. And then we even got like W taper, which is half reverse log um, and then half normal log. Um, we got them all. Uh, these are all right angle. 0.2 inch uh, spacings. They work in breadboards. They're panel mount. They are round shaft. Um, I was a little bit like, why do we want round shafts? But apparently that's what people want. Um, so you can use um, knobs that are either designed for round shafts or have a set screw in them. Or you can like sand them down or, you know, whatever, if you want to put a, uh, a D shaft uh, knob on them. But, you know, great for repair or if you're uh, building stuff, there are like this right angle size style, but like, guess what? You can bend those legs out. They don't have to be right angle um, if you want them to be uh, straightforward style. So you've got like a bunch of them. I'm not going to go through all the different ones. Yeah. Um, we'll do the dual gang stereo ones uh, next week because this was uh, quite a party to get yeah. uh, every one of these in stock. But, you know, there's a little drop down. Um, to select which one you'd next like. Next up. Okay, next up, we've got this uh, like dual head USB-C um, type connector. And uh, don't say it. And then uh, this is, so basically you've got a cutie pie and you want to turn it into a trinkie. This will do the job. So let me grab one and I'll show it um, overhead. Yeah. But hold on a second. Hi. Okay, this All is right. it. So... Boom. My generation was ruined by Requiem for a Dream. Okay, yeah. so here you go. Uh, and then this plugs into here. Kabam. And now you can plug it into your laptop. And it's like you can make a little dongle thing. Because people are like, oh, why don't you make the cutie pie with like the USB-C that like plugs in? And I was like, that's like a mechanical nightmare. Yeah. This is actually much better because you get the strength of this um, half through hole. See how like the pads on the side of the USB-C go through the PCB? Like the connector for the signal and power are surface mount, but the mechanical connection is through hole. The problem with the USB-C plugs that I've seen is that they don't have those through hole tabs. They have surface mount tabs, um, at least the ones that I've been able to find. So this one is much stronger. You plug this in and it's basically the same thing. It's like a little bit longer plug it into USB-C um, computer. Last week we put in the version that has USB-C to USB-A, so if your laptop or computer has an A port, uh, you can do that. And guess what, you don't like this text? Not a problem, because it's USB-C, it's totally reversible. Plug it upside down. Amazing. All right, next up. Oh, that's the image for the potentiometer. All right, yeah, that was- In case you forgot potentiometers. Remember, remember that, remember it, was that? Long, it was a long time ago. Okay. Okay, uh, next up. Next up. 
It's a USB-C SOIC clip. And you're probably like, Lady Ada, why, why is this kind of like expensive for a US, uh, SOIC clip? And this is because it's actually a good one. Um, oh. I've not carried these for a while because they've always been like really painful to use and or uh, they don't work with wide SOIC clips. And I'm like, look, if I'm gonna get this, it has to work with um, wide SOIC clips. This one does, as shown here. Uh, we've got the feather, pink RP feather 2040. And hold on, hard to do on the overhead, one second. I wanna, get, I wanna make sure I get the things lined up. Hold on, you gotta like look carefully. Okay, perfect. So now, and if I didn't have uh, bad vision and uh, biomechatronic control of my body, uh, you can clip onto this uh, very easily. It doesn't hurt to use, unlike many SOIC clips. Uh, it works with wide and narrow. And then on the other side, you just get your plain dip. So what is this good for? Well, first off, uh, you're debugging um, your QSPI connection on your RP2040. How many times have you had to do that? I had to do it three times. If I had uh, a nickel for each time, I'd only have 15 cents but it's still weird that it happened three times. Um, and then it's also good if you want to program EEPROMs that are on a motherboard. Um, I2C EEPROMs, you clip this on and then you can program them without desoldering the chip. You want to dump the firmware from an SPI chip that's, you know, holds firmware for your FPGA or whatever. Uh, all that and more with this handy dandy SOIC to dip chip. And it's just like got little like it's like dragon teeth, Arr. like this, this, this hurts, ow, don't do that. Use this for SYC clips only, do not put on your body. All right, we have another custom keep cap from one of our favorite companies in the world, Glitch. That's right, Glitch, they are a New York City company, they do cool web stuff, and we use their web stuff um, to, yeah. to, to do our web serial and uh, you know, web USB projects, like basically whenever we have a little mini JavaScript uh, projects, um, we use Glitch, uh, yeah. and there's, it's a great way to code. And like I said, they're here local in New York City, run by Neil Dash. Glitch.com. Uh, is really into It's prints. the simplest way to create a web app, so everybody always talks about it, but this is where you can actually do it. So it's like developer tools, but it's in a way that... Um, and it's sharing. You, yeah, you can, you can mix and remix. I think that's why there's two fish. There's like one fish and then you clone it and you make another fish. Yeah, and I think for the folks that remember back when the web was creative, you'll really like um, Glitch. So you want to show this off? Um, yes, yeah, so this is the keycap. I mean, honestly, the, the video is Okay, kind of yeah, nicer. that's fine. Let's just stick to the video. But, um, we spent a lot of time on this video. So let's yeah, it's a nice video. So this is a, uh, it's a um, standard keycap, like escape key. So you can uh, put it on the top row of your Cherry MX uh, keyboard. Next up. Next up, it's a QTification, um, the MCP4725. We've had this breakout for a very long time. It's product 935, that's how old it is. Um, uh, we've updated it to be STEMI QT compatible. Now the pinout is actually the same. The size has physically changed, has mounting holes, it's got STEMI QT connectors so you can plug and play it. Uh, we added a terminal block at the top, so if you wanted to like use this, you know, with just having the V out um, and ground pins exposed and of course, uh, it's much easier to use now because you don't need to wire it. Um, it is an I2C 12-bit DAC, so it's not super fast because um, it's I2C. That said, you can drive it at 3.4 megahertz, like super speed I2C. We have some code to generate like a sine wave, a triangle wave. It, you know, I don't know if it would necessarily be great for audio waveforms. I mean, maybe, 
um, slow ones, but it would be good for controlling something that takes an analog in as a good control signal generator. Um, you can have two on one I2C port by uh, soldering the jumper on the back. All right, next up. Okay, you're like, hey, you had the TFT feather last week. Yeah. True. I rearranged stuff and I. Uh, but I my the, demo. I, I hit the power supply, sorry. My demo was not so successful and I really wanted to show this off. Um, yeah. So bring it back. So this is the ESP32 S2 TFT. So it's um, ESP32 S2 chip with a uh, 240 by 135 color IPS TFT. And what IPS means is that even from angles, you can read it and it color is beautiful. Uh, color TFT, uh, it's got, you know, battery port here, so I can run this off of a battery. Now I'm like super paranoid. Um, you can run off a battery. It's got a STEMI QT port, so hey, you've got that uh, MCP 4725, you want to add a DAC to this, go to town. You can plug it in and chain I2C devices. I uh, got the reset button and you've got the boot button on the bottom there. Um, this is just running a little demo that is uh, scanning the I2C port. So when I unplug it, the I2C disappears. NeoPixel on the top and on the bottom is the ESP32 S2, which is a uh, single core Tensilica 240 megahertz processor with built-in Wi-Fi. It doesn't have Bluetooth Low Energy, it doesn't have Bluetooth Classic, and it's only single core, but it does have native USB, which means it can act like a keyboard or a mouse or a disk drive, and you can use it with CircuitPython. It's got a lot of support circuitry here, a battery monitor chip on I2C. Um, the TFT and the I2C port are on separate low, um, low dropout regulators, which means you can totally turn off any external hardware connected to I2C or the TFT, um, to get into a really low power. So in sleep mode, you can get down to about 80 microamps, which is about as low as you can get on the ESP32 S2. The chip itself doesn't really go much lower. Um, got battery charging. Uh, there's an optional spot for a BME280 if you wanted to solder one in. Um, but otherwise, it's just kind of nice because it's all in one. You know, you can even use the boot button as a GPIO button input if you wanted to. So you can like have a display with a single button, I2C sensors and stuff. Um, and of course it's feather compatible, so you can use all the feather wings you know and love. It's, it's all in one, it's very cute, um, you know, inspired by the Lily Teeny Go, um, but I wanted something that was feather compatible so you could use it in like, you know, the feather ecosystem, swapping out different boards as desired. Okay, and the star of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our community, our customers, our team, and everyone who supports open source hardware and more is it's the ESP32 S2 Cutie Pie with UFL connector. Um, this might look really familiar. You might be like, "Hey, this looks just like the ESP32 S2 Cutie Pie with antenna that you released two weeks ago." Yes, it looks very similar, except instead of an onboard antenna, it has a UFL connector. Why? Because Wi-Fi often you want to have like really good range, or you know you you want to connect to um, a router far away or you want to transfer a lot of data and you don't want to have signal dropout. And the antenna that is on the Cutie Pie with a built-in antenna, is it's a small one. Now, it'll work indoors. Um, I had no problems with it, but it, it is a small antenna. And if you want to use this in a box um, or outdoors, or you want to just have range between different floors, um, we now have a UFL connector and you can connect like any size antenna you like. Uh, in this case here is just a little simple wire UFL antenna, but you can also use this with a UFL to RP SMA adapter and then use an off the shelf Wi-Fi antenna. 
I want to uh, say again that you need a UFL2 RP SMA. Do not use a UFL2 SMA connector because that will not actually connect the signal through. Um, Wi-Fi antennas are weird. They picked a different standard. Uh, just make sure you get an RP SMA. Otherwise, you'll be like, I'm not getting any signal. And then I'll say, check that you have the RP SMA. And you'll say, I don't. And then I'll be like, yep, that's what happened. And then you'll have to get another adapter. So just okay. get it right the first time. Do you want me to... Uh Go to the overhead to show this thing off. Yeah, I got a little, just simple demo here. I'm just showing, uh, so this is what it looks like with the antenna connected. Uh, you've got the reset and boot buttons. Um, up top, there's a NeoPixel that you can just see blinking really fast here. Purple. Um, and on the back is the ESP32-S2. Also, four megabytes of flash, two megabytes of PSRAM, RP2049 included. Um, there's a little battery connector up here. You can connect, uh, it doesn't have a built-in battery charger, uh, but it does have the ability to have an external battery input, you know, that won't, that is the diode protected, um, because a lot of people requested that for our cutie pies. And I think with Wi-Fi, it's especially, uh, useful. Um, and what's really nice is that the cutie pie series has, uh, the STEM IQT port. And so you can, again, plug and play, uh, you know, sensors and DACs and OLEDs. Um, so yes, you can plug into a breadboard and, and connect uh, the 13 GPIO up, 11 pins here, you know, I2C, analog inputs, hardware SPI, um, or the extra two pins on the I2C port, or you can just plug and play. So wireless connectivity to sensors, um, and then you program it with Arduino or CircuitPython um, with a nice antenna. You don't need the external antenna, get the one with the built-in antenna, you know, maybe the signal strength is good enough for you there. UFL. And that's new product. IFL, UFL. We all FL. Okay, one just uh, quick reminder, the code is nuggets. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is we just got Circuit Playground Expresses back in stock. Yes. And a lot of people were waiting for them. We have thousands. Uh, we've been working diligently to get them. Uh, lots of schools want these. Lots of people want these, so you might want to pick some up because they I, will go yeah. fast. Those All are right. our pain. So we're going to do top secret, then we're going to answer questions. So while we're doing top secret, go to adafruit.it slash discord. Join all 32,000 of us, even when we're not around. And uh, put your questions up. I have a bunch of them loaded up, but let's do uh, some top secret first. Ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, for top secret, we're going to play one video, and then we're going to go really fast speed round with all these cutie pies you're working on. Yes. So we've been doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, this is on Lady Ada's desk right now. It's an Apple II Plus, so you can tell we have a lot of stuff going on. On Friday, we just published this video. Um, this will give you an idea of some of the things that's coming soon. Lady Ada, what is this? This is my pet octopus. No, this is the wiring um, for the feather floppy stuff that I was working on last week. I'm getting back to it. Um, this is the floppy drive. And this is, you know, wonderful and it worked, but you can tell the wiring is, it's it's a little bit wiry. So I um, quickly, quickly sketched together a featherwing PCB um, that has all the pins labeled to make wiring a lot near. So I've got it plugged in now into my feather M4 and this is the 34 pin interface. And I got this nice cable which has even eight inch drive um, and you know, um, some five and a quarter maybe inch drive uh, socket support. And then um, you can easily debug by uh, plugging into the extra header. So if I want to like, you know, watch the index pin or the data pins and uh, best part is it still works. So um, now I can actually add uh, floppy write support because I feel more confident that my wiring isn't gonna be flaky. Um, so then you'll be able to uh, fully duplicate floppy disks. Okay, you're working on this pin thing. Um, well, I, you know, now what I do when I design a board, I actually add 
pretty pin support for that chipset if I haven't yet. And the reason I do that is it's really handy. Um, you know, when I assign all the pins, um, you know, I try to get a good range of like um, peripherals and I squared C's and SPIs and UARTs and ADCs. And it's sometimes really hard to keep track. And sometimes the schematic uh, symbol is wrong. Um, and so what's nice is using pretty pins to generate the diagram. I can really see like, did I, you know, cause I made a board in the first version, I actually assigned the wrong hardware SPI pins. Like they weren't on SPI peripheral. And so um, this is, uh, you know, a handy way to do that. So I, I added as ESP32 to okay. the repository. Um, I made a couple of uh, BFFs, like little add-on boards for QtPie that go in the back, a five by five NeoPixel, battery, I started designing an NRF52840 Cutie Pie, but I kind of like don't really want to finish it. Um, I did finish the ESP32 Cutie Pie, which has a Pico, um, and the Pico chip has flash and PSRAM, uh, and this is a schematic, has a CP2102, um, and this is the pretty pens that I used to check to make sure. Actually, you know, in the end, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I forgot to put the DAC on A0 and A1, so I'm, I actually have to revise this, but um, I got close to being done. And then USB 32 S3, which is very, very similar to the S2 in pinout, but not identical, as I found out. A couple pins did move around, um, but I think I got it down. I think I got it figured out. Uh, so the C3 uh, also, it's a different kind of chip. Um, not CircuitPython friendly, really, because it doesn't have native USB, but, you know, it's very inexpensive and Arduino supports it, so, you know, why not? And then I made a little um, gamer add-on, you know, I thought it would be fun, especially with the ESP32 has so many emulators ported to it, because it's such a powerful chip. Okay. Let's get to questions. We got a bunch. Yeah. Good questions tonight. All right. Um, and if you put it in the chat, probably already have it, but wait to the end to repost it, though. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Um, someone asked, what do we use for all of the parts management software? So we uh, built it on top of Zencard and open sourcing, but is there any free open source uh, parts management you systems know, that people, you saw out there? People do have them, but like, you know, I think a, a really good Excel spreadsheet could probably Start do the that. job. Yeah, okay. it's there's no real... See, I, I will warn you that it's not a it's it's a, not a causation it's a correlation but the people who spend the most time on inventory management get the least hardware done like okay. it might be cheaper just to buy whatever you need and then organize it later than spend all your time organizing yeah. you know okay uh when do you think the floppy uh feather floppy interface board will be in the store I think a couple of weeks. I do want to revise it. I mean, I'm you know I'm I'm still testing, and we have to write a lot of software to make sure the hardware works. But uh, I'll probably get the Featherwing into the shop first. But I do want to let the level shifters. Okay, I'll answer this it. one. The Ada boxes have always been four boxes a year. Yep. Uh, how does going from the Halloween Ada box to the fall Ada box make any difference? Luckily for us, it's kind of Halloween every single Ada box in some way, and we really make sure the Ada boxes can kind of cover anything. Um, we're kind of Halloween themed, generally speaking. So we'll make sure that there's always something in the fall box that is uh, spectacular. There's, there's just no, there's no longer a promise that it is going to be on that day because it's it's just not possible to guarantee delivery of things yeah, Kind of like go to the grocery store. Things are a little weird right now. Yeah, um, like I'm now getting, again, I'm still getting lead times. I'm buying chips and they're like, we're getting them to you in 2023. And I'm yeah. like, this is a voltage regulator. Really, you're not going to get it to me for a year? 
Um, it's just like that. It's these shortages are going to last throughout the rest of the year. Okay. So. What are the current and voltages for all the colors of the 16 by 9 Charlie Plex LED array? Well, they're all going to be the same current and voltage, actually, right? You just power it with five, and they all use the same amount of current, just the brightness will vary. Okay, I can answer this one. How do I use CircuitPython on a Circuit Playground Express? Good news. Go to circuitpython.org. Go to Downloads. Download the UF2. So you just, like, double-click the button on the board, drag the UF2 over, and guess what? You're now using... Circuit Python. Check out also Ann Borella's book on getting started with Circuit yeah. Python or Circuit Python Express. Learn has all the Circuit Python essentials, and then you're going. What's cool is when you're done, you can go to Make Code on that board. You can go to Arduino. You can use a variety of programming languages. Lots of stuff. Rust. Yeah, uh, it 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 works with everything. Go for it. Next up. Uh, I am looking to doing a run of uh, Circuit Playground Express and Circuit Playground Bluefoot Companion Boards. I designed to use SMT soldable standoff nuts. Next time Adafruit does a run of a product that uses them, could you please do a video showing how the nuts are soldered on the board, going to be hand assembled and not sure how the best way, short of having a pick and place, of course, going on the board. Those are very hard to solder with a soldering iron. I really do think you need to hot plate them. So you just put paste on, you you, you insert them and then you hot plate them very, very carefully, but um, I don't think you should solder them with a soldering iron. It's actually quite difficult to, okay. to get it that hot. I can answer this one. What's the minimum price to buy a factory like this? It's not actually the money. The altogether, everything, it's millions of dollars. It's the time. We dedicated our lives to this. I don't know what's uh, 10 years of life worth. Um, and we didn't do any loans of venture capital. So that's the real expense is uh, that and uh, taking great care of employees and having 401ks and great benefits. So it's more than just the stuff, but the, the stuff, the pick and place machines and all that, it's, you know, two, three million dollars. Um, next up, weird noob question here. Can I sell my product commercially if I use all Adafruit parts and components? Absolutely, 100 yep. percent. And that is why we do what we do. OK, can't believe how responsive you all are. And the desk of Lady Ada, you said, ask for what changes you like for CircuitPython. I was thinking of the ESP32, ESP32C3 support. And by the end of the video, you said it was coming. Um, it, well, it is. Uh, it's something that we worked on. There is C3 support, because I know MicroDev did a PR for um, their, their MicroDev C3 board. Um, the C3 does not have really good native USB support. So it's just going to be a different experience. And, and did it with the ESP32. Um, if we support it, we might use Bluetooth as the main recommended way to um, program and communicate with the board because they just don't have native USB. Um, that said, C3 is supported um, because okay. we have at least one PR4 on. Once ESP32 and ESP32C3 data support is added to CircuitPython, should it be easy to contribute pin definition files for third-party boards like the M5 stamp? You can M5 do it right now. Um, yeah, we have, a, we have a guide on how to do it. Uh, QDPi ESP32S2, what is the lowest battery voltage you recommend for this board? Um, like four volts, I think okay. would probably be a good good place to start. Um, QDPi ESP32 S2 would be the best way to get an estimate on the battery. Use the quick INA219 board along with the ESP board. I would use a Nordic PPK. Um, INA219, it's, it's good for larger currents. It's not going to get, it's, it's, it's not really a power analysis board. You should get a PPK and just do proper power monitoring okay, on and it. And then is it possible get to get the enable pin? I think that was No, it's yeah. not. It's you want that, you're talking about a different board, you're talking about itsy bitsy, you're talking about a feather. Okay. There is a top secret in the beginning of twenty twenty about an NAU seven eight oh two breakout board for reading load cells. I guess it was never completed. COVID ruins everything. I Any can't plans? get NAU uh, chips. They are okay. like Nuvaton is one of the most impossible to get chips. Um, I've had a reel of chips on back order for like a year now. 
and the okay. lead time is now like 2024. Back when we were using Luna Pick and Place, how did you uh, do your solder paste application? By hand. Uh, we and, did by hand with a, a stencil machine. And then uh, how did we do reflow with a toaster oven? Toaster oven. And how do you clean your SMD stencils for storage after using them, having clean stencils? IPA is super wipes. Important. Okay. All right, let me go back to questions here. Um, could you recommend an effective way to hand assemble the SMT solderable standoff nuts on a board? Oh, I think no, we got to that one. Okay. Have you ever designed for curiosity of other people in a project? Do you have a random tip in this regard to really spice up things finishing on a project? Kind of vague question I know. Design for curiosity is making something so other people want to interact, ask questions about your project. Maybe have a good silk screen. I don't know. Maybe yeah. a good case. Okay. Does Adafruit carry a product that extends wired Ethernet via electricity outlets that's viable and comparable method to straight from wire to computer router? Um, I think that's an existing product, right? There's an Ethernet over power thing, but I don't know. I haven't seen it in like 10, 20 years. I think it's an older thing. It doesn't necessarily work very well with some power systems in um, houses or buildings because of the way the power is, is, is routed. Um, you could use Wi-Fi or you could just use a really long cable. Okay. Uh, which wire pack is correct for the 30 millimeter arcade buttons in the one by four breakout? Thank you. Um, post in the forums. I don't. I don't have the product in front of me, so I don't know. Okay. Um, and someone was saying, I meant the LED LED board, not the I squared C. I guess that was for the question a while ago. That was what's the um, voltages for the colors? I don't know. Um, I mean, every you know, you can. Uh, it, it's not. It's you. You should really run it with the. Charlie Plex board, which does constant current. I, I don't, don't try to guess the voltages on the LEDs because they're not going to be the same from run okay. to run. I think this is a follow-up from the previous one. Will the paste flow around from one side or will I need to put the paste on two or three sides of the hole? I think that was the bolt question. Uh, you just you just put it on a, on the the round part and you just put you put it on top. It just solders on one side. Okay. Uh, is there an ETA for the I squared C backpack seven segments with the Stemma QT? I'm glad you asked. It's next week. Okay. Uh, Did not get to it today. Any good way to estimate power consumption of the various boards, such as Stemma QT and various Stemma QT boards? No, there is no good way to estimate. You need to use a power monitor like the PPK. You, you're you're going to be very upset if you try to estimate because um, a lot of things, you, people can estimate stuff when it's a constant drive, like a motor or um, a single LED, but once you have stuff that has like Wi-Fi and sometimes it's displaying something and sometimes it's not, and the backlight's PWM, it's very hard. Um, nothing really beats just invest $100 into a power monitor. It, it, back when they were $800, I'd be like, that sucks, but now they're 100 bucks. Um, and you'll, you'll be able to really know exactly how much power you're using. And like, I really want to recommend people do that because um, you'd be surprised how a little bit of code can make a big difference in your uh, power use cases. Okay, um, more requests for the floppy duper board. Um, yeah, we're working on it, it'll be out I, soon. I only got it yesterday, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm doing the show now. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, as soon as possible because uh, we're really excited about it. And uh, we appreciate everyone uh, thinking of all the cool things that they're going to do um, because this stuff is hard. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we are all through all the questions. Okay. Good work, everyone. So many questions here. Yeah, ran on time, too. Okay, everybody. Well, uh, that's our show for this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate right it. Right on time. Thank you to Cara for doing things behind the scenes. 
and more in our Adafruit Slack chat that we have for our team. Special thanks to um, the entire community that showed up here and all the customers that bought stuff. Thank you for keeping us going. It literally keeps the lights on. Um, we're going to be here next week. We're going to put on our masks. We're going to go home. We're going to have a snack. We're going to crash out, and we're going to rinse and repeat. That's what we do. Um, don't forget, save a buck or two. Nuggets is the code. Nuggets. And uh, you get all this free stuff when you load up your cart. That is our show for this week. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks, everybody. This has been an Adafruit production. Here is your moment of Zener. See you next week, everybody. Bye-bye.